Hey, are you there? Hello? Can you hear me? Hello? Um, can you hear me? Hello? Can you hear me? Hello? 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 Hey. I was watching the news and the levees gave way. And that's when the flooding started happening. In August of 2005, one of the deadliest hurricanes to make landfall in the United States hit New Orleans. The Ortiz family lived there on a seminary campus at the time. Well, my name is Beth, and I've been married to Steve for 27 years. And we have two children. Uh, Rebecca is 22, and Nathaniel is about to turn 20. Uh, and we've lived in Texas for almost 14 years and enjoy it very much. And um, recently, I mean, we have a lot of changes going on. My name is Steve. I'm a biblical archaeologist. I've been in theological education for 20 years. Professor, first in New Orleans and then here in, in Texas. And uh, every summer I... I go to Israel or somewhere in the Middle East and excavate, uh, mostly a large biblical site. I've been doing this for the past 30 years. And I've been fortunate, all my, my family's participating and Beth has been on staff and my kids have somewhat grown up on some of the archeological sites. And so it's, it's neat that they can be part of my, my ministry and job. This is the Ortiz family, Beth, Steve, their daughter, Rebecca, and they have a son, Nathaniel. You see, the Ortiz family have lived through two major disasters and, on both occasions, have faced displacement from their homes. So, I mean, hurricanes are common and uh, coming into the Gulf, but uh, this one was they thought coming directly from New Orleans. We had been in New Orleans since 2000. This was 2005. And we had evacuated in the past for hurricanes and gone to our friends in Mississippi. And um, the path of the storm looked like it was coming right through New Orleans and heading up through Mississippi. And we decided that it would be better to come and see my brother who lives in Grapevine and he would let us bring our dog. And Steve had started calling as soon as they knew the trek of the storm, all the hotels were booked. I mean, they, they fill up immediately. I think people have standing reservations for during hurricane season. And we evacuated on the day that it was gonna hit. And it was a Sunday, a beautiful sunny day. And they were telling us, Nobody else get on I-10 and head west because it's a parking lot. So we headed up through Mississippi and Rebecca was in second grade and Nathaniel had just started, they both had just started school, second grade and kindergarten. And I remember them asking why there's, when is the storm coming? There is not a cloud in the sky and it was a beautiful day. And we just said, well, they're recommending that everybody go. So we traveled to Grapevine and the storm hit and we were watching the news and everything was okay on the seminary campus. Some trees blown down and things like that, but campus weathered the storm and by then it had kind of curved and hit Mobile, I think, made landfall in Mobile. Uh, and 
So we thought, okay, this will just be a, a long and extended weekend. We, New Orleans, we always lost power for a few days, and we thought it would be better to be where we had power and air conditioning. So we stayed with my brother, and Steve decided he was going to go see friends on Southwestern's campus and talk to them. And I was watching the news, and the levees gave way, and that's when the flooding started happening in uh, the Ninth Ward, the Lower Ninth Ward. We were 10 minutes from downtown and living close to New Orleans East, um, in between the two levees that gave way in Gentilly. We got news. And I was having lunch with friends, so I didn't know any of this was happening. And they're asking me, like, what's your plan? I go, like, we do this every season. Mm -hmm. Even in my syllabus in the fall, I know, like, I'm going to lose a week for storms. Mm -hmm. And so Beth is home watching the news and with, with the kids, home and with her brother. And, you know, I didn't know anything was going on until I come home. And she said, you know, we're underwater. Like, we've lost everything. I'm like, what are you talking about? And, you know, the news, they have pictures, and we can see our neighborhood and the, the seminary. And, and the seminary has this prominent chapel steeple. And so it was on the news a lot because it just looked, you know, you can see it there, you know, covered with water. And we can tell from the chapel, like, well, our house is a block south, like we're, you know. And actually, the front of campus didn't flood. It was high enough. But I'm... There was a, a lower elevation in the back of campus where all the housing was, and that's where our house was located. And all of the houses in the neighborhood were flooded. And, uh, and we had just moved into a new house. This is Rebecca, the Ortiz's oldest daughter. She was in second grade when Hurricane Katrina hit, and they lost all their possessions. Yes. I, I remember being super excited about it. We had spent... One Christmas? Yeah, we, we had one full year one, in that yeah. house. And we loved it. It was like, it was just brand new for me and Nathaniel and our first big move that we remembered. And we had barely spent a year there when the hurricane happened. So. Well, people were so generous. I just remember the outpouring of generosity. And God was is so good to provide because my brother at the time was dating a woman who was going to do an internship in Boston. And she had a, a two-bedroom patio home in Euless, a block away from an elementary school. And we had our one... We just had the one car we, had we came one, in, we lost the other car. In the yeah. So uh, she said, oh yeah, you can live in my house until December. And go to school, you know, take the enroll the kids in school. And that's what we did. I mean, we considered moving to Fort Worth where Steve could do work on campus. Uh, but I said it just seems so perfect that all of these things are provided right here. This part where Beth is talking about how God provided them a house in Texas after leaving Hurricane Katrina and losing all that they had. It just brings to mind this verse that I've been camping out in lately. It's Psalm 37, 18, and 19. The Lord watches over the blameless all their days, and their inheritance will last forever. They will not be disgraced in times of adversity. They will be satisfied in days of hunger. So we really 
I mean, we did not feel the impact of losing everything as many people did because so much was provided right away. Um, and, and we weren't. I remember uh, we were on a park and I asked Beth, I go, what, what, you know, what do you think now about our lives? Or what's, and she goes, she's not a Martha Stewart type. She goes, we just lost a house. We just lost possessions. We're alive and I have my family. That's all I need. And there was just a sense of like, that is all we need. We don't need, we can rebuild, we can buy beds. This is not anything. Uh, this one was a little bit different. It's just like, oh, okay, now there's no, we're, how, how much security are we putting in our jobs? And it's like, okay, this is a different feeling than back then where, you know, what we're not relying on possessions, but it's like, yeah, but we'd like to eat and we, we need to pay the mortgage and we'd like our kids to graduate from college. And, and so it was a different, um, I guess, test that God was, you know, seeing what we're willing to give up for him. Okay, let me rewind a little bit right here. You see, the Ortiz family has been affected by COVID-19 in a really striking and difficult way. But we'll get to that. Recently, Beth and I were talking about comparing the, you know, our two major life things and and with the kids. And I remember we went to um, steak. What's that? Steak and shake. Steak and shake. (laughs) And we had a meal there with the kids. And that's when we told them, you know, like we said, okay, here's what's going on. Um, we're going to stay in Texas. I remember that. We, we, and, and I remember them, they're just looking at us, but they were young. And, and the big question was, well, if our house is underwater, where's Santa Claus going to bring our gifts? <laughs> and, and at that point, we go like, well, we're either going to live with Grandma Ortiz or Grandma Kelps. Like we knew we are probably have to move back with our parents. And they go, and Santa Claus knows both of our, your grandparents. So wherever we end up, he's going to know. So they went, okay, they were fine with that. You <laughs> problem yeah, yeah, probably, you know. <laughs> now it's different. They're adults. And it's just like, uh, Rebecca, you're going to have to take out a $30,000 loan for school. And it was, it's a different, you know, it's a different life stage. And, it's a uh, very different conversation. Yes, yes. yes. Yeah, and, yeah. and I'll say that's harder. <laughs> but my, when they're young, they're, they're looking at us like we're supporting them. They're just happy with the bike and, and excited. We're living in a small two-bedroom condo and they were just excited and happy and now it's like you know now they're they can you know they're adults now they can struggle with wolf finances and you know what's going to happen so okay now we're going to jump forward to 2020 in january of this year beth was working at a company in the area she had a new job opportunity that she was very much looking forward to And that was supposed to start in the spring. So in January, Beth resigned from her then current job. She left town for a few weeks to go care for her father, came back just in time to have spring break with her college-age children. And by the end of spring break, which was about mid-March in Texas, at that point, Beth found out that she would no longer be offered this new position that she had been looking forward to because that company was suffering under the economic crisis of the pandemic. I found out from my employer, my the new employer, that she was not able to hire anyone else on because she was having to furlough the employees that she had already. And a lot of her accounts were canceling because of lack of business and a lot of things were being canceled. 
So that was the first thing we found out that that my job was not going to happen. And I was relieved in some ways because a lot of people younger than me were getting coronavirus and not faring very well. And there was just a lot of unknown and uncertainty. And then a lot of people were being laid off all over. So I did not pursue looking for another job at that point. I'll let him pick well, up there. Beth's job, she went back to work when Nathaniel went to school. And it was like, okay, you're going to help the kids. Your job is going to help pay for tuition. And, you know, we, we desire to have our kids be debt-free when they get out of school. Yeah. And so when she lost her job, it was like, okay, we can still manage. We, we will, you know, it's going to just take us longer. We might have to, you know, take out student loans. But uh, we weren't... Um, Fearful, we're just like, this is a good time. You know, family was home, so Beth was excited to cook and have the, the kids here. So we just figured, okay, God, this is um, just a, a blip or just a season we're going to go through. It wasn't that, I want to say major, but it, it didn't, you know, we weren't um, frightened or anything or, or worried about it. And then um, we got new administration at the seminary, and I sort of knew... Um, they were looking at other programs and, you know, reevaluating. They, they had a, a major firing of like 25 faculty last year. And we survived. And we thought, well, that's because our program is strong. We have students. And same thing. It's like, well, I'm still teaching online just like every other, you know, teacher and professor. We are, I've already done online education, so it wasn't that new to me. I just started teaching from here. And when I got called for this meeting, I just assumed they're going to say, look, the budgets are cut or we can't have students go to Israel this summer. And that's what I anticipated. And, uh, and I was shocked that they cut the program. I mean, it really, um, I, I was blindsided. Uh, and that was, um, I guess, the biggest shock because it's like now we both didn't have jobs. And uh, uh, I remember telling our our kids, you know what, you're on your own now for, you guys have to. Pulled out a bunch of loans already. And yeah. I thought he was kidding when he told me that he lost his job because my dad's really good at what he does. And I, it didn't make sense at all until he told me they cut the entire department. And then I was just so shocked. And um, I've always been a huge planner, like 10 year plan, all mapped out, <laughs> have a spreadsheet for my tuition. So, I mean, I immediately went to, um, kind of control mode when I get in, like I'm going to apply for scholarships and um, loans and um, figure out a timeline to graduate earlier. Um, she also thought she had an internship for this summer. Oh, yeah. She had an internship planned. I was going to pay for at least half of grad school with this internship mm -hmm. and they canceled it on me because of COVID. Um, and so that was really disappointing I guess she gets it from me. I quickly went into planning mode. I said, you know what? We're, I'm unemployed. I have one month of salary left. Uh, we can't make our mortgage payment. That's we got to sell the house. We have to downsize. Uh, my job is so unique that it's not like I'm going to get a job in Dallas or in Texas. It's like, okay, I have to look in North America at another program. On the flip side, I mean, we came through Katrina, so we were already we already knew about God's power and greatness and what he can do. So there's a sense of calm there. But it was 
God, I thought you called me into this ministry. I've spent all my life in archaeology, and now it's there's no support. Is this? Do you still value this? Are you taking me through this stage? So it was more. Uh, my calling was just wasn't there, and it, and so there's a search of okay, God, are you calling me to something else? And um, and, and I remember going through this. In Katrina, I came back from Israel, and in my my previous seminary, I was having pushback, and I go like, I'm not going to be able to start this program. And I remember telling Beth, you know, I'm just going to be a Bible teacher. I'm just going to teach people the Bible, and maybe I can use archaeology backgrounds, but God just wants me to be a Bible teacher. I'm not going to be a scholar. I'm not going to be a researcher. And I remember Beth saying, like, no, I don't think God has that for you. He has something else. And so I'm saying, no, I'm glad you're supporting me, but I'm fine with this. I've accepted it. And then a week, two weeks later, Katrina comes. And I land in Texas, and uh, I go to Dr. Patterson at Southwestern, and I say, you know, you're trying to start an archaeology program. Here I am. What's, you know? And all of a sudden, boom, it's like there's archaeology. And he goes, I want you to design a program. Here's a blank sheet of paper. Build it do the curriculum. And so I'm like, what? it was more, God, we, you started this, I followed you, and now you're ending it. And so it was more, not fighting God, but just, like, is it done? Or then I'm thinking, okay, maybe you have some other guy in mind or, or gout, like, you know, some, one of my students that's going to take over. And so that's mostly what I was struggling with God. I go, God, it'd be easier if you just told me what you planned. <laughs> if, if, you know, we're going to just go back and be, you know, yeah. um, work in a bank and just, you know, th that's the end of our life, then I, I will leave this ministry and, and that's what you're doing. But there's a sense that I was confident that God started something. Yeah. And I just wasn't confident that I was still going to be part of that plan. God is amazing because the day I lost my job, I called the the former president. And I just said, I don't know if you know a donor, if you know anybody, but can you get us a job? And I also spoke with my colleague and I'm an Old Testament archeologist, he's a New Testament archeologist. And it's like, look, we gotta go together. That's the program. If we're gonna design something that we need two faculty members for the PhD for our masters. And we kind of made a pact, well, let's try to get a job together and after three or four months, then we just have to go on our own and not have a program. And that night we got a call. They called a donor in Houston, uh, a lawyer who um, enjoys biblical archaeology. He's never given money to the seminary or the archaeology program, but we know he's given it to others. And he just said, you know, I believe in you guys. I believe in this program. I want to move you his alma mater was Lipscomb University. I think it'd be a great fit for you all. I happen to be on the board and, you know, give us a plan. And so we quickly said, here's what we need, how much money we need, you know, two professors, programs. And I'm looking at it like, this cannot be true. I cannot be talking about a job offer and this ministry continuing. And uh, we just knew it was the hand of God. and. All that stuff I was arguing with God about, like, what are you doing? How, you know, what's what's going on here? Are you still invested in this? 
And it's just like, okay, God, you already had a bigger plan. Something that I don't want listeners to miss is the fact that there is so much loss in this story, right? They lost their home and everything they had in Katrina. Then they both lost their jobs. Their kids lost all their immediate plans for the future. They're having to leave their home that their kids grew up in. There are a lot of things that could be really devastating about this story. But here's the thing. God had a purpose and he had a plan already. And so the ministry that Steve was already involved in, God used all of this to be able to expand his ministry. We kind of had to adapt because archaeology is a science, but it's also, you know, proven the Bible. And we're also illustrating the Bible within the seminary, but we're also doing scientific discoveries. And a university is a better place for that. And it's just like, okay, God, you just taken our program up another level. And it gives us more authority to work with uh, non-Christians. And we have projects in, in Israel, in Egypt, in Cyprus, uh, in Kazakhstan. And we're dealing with governments that don't want to deal with, with Christians. But if we're professional, it's a way of getting in those countries. And it was always hard with the seminary because they go like, well, don't you just train pastors? Do you really do anything academically? So now we have a better platform. And it's as he's taken the, the program and put it on a more stable and higher level. You see, God is not limited by our resources. He's not limited by how finite our lives are. Yeah, we feel limited. We feel boxed in. We feel like when things are out of control, all we can do is just grasp at all those little things. Like Rebecca was saying, go into control mode. Try to plan. Try to make things work for us. But man, when we can let God walk us through suffering with an expectation and an understanding of His character, that He is good, that He is loving, that he has purposes for our lives that align with his kingdom purposes. Steve talks about how he thought that God was removing him from this ministry because of this loss. But God wasn't removing him. He was expanding his territory. I think situations like these really put to the test, what do I believe about God? What do I believe about his character? What do I believe he's saying about who I am in Christ? And so I think uh, he is reassuring me that he is good and that he is trustworthy and that I am not going to know all the answers right now, this side of heaven. And I may not, you know... he may choose to reveal that or not. And I I guess I'm thinking too about uh, the assurance of salvation. I feel like uh, shortly after all this happened with the jobs, he directed me, and I can't remember exactly where it is in Peter, about uh, the assurance of our salvation. And um, that that is where our hope lies, and that's where our security lies and our joy and 
So I am trying to cling to that, that he's the one that decides all of that. And it's, it, it's not my decision and it's not my responsibility. And I feel like um, the same is true with all circumstances. And he's a good God and he brings us through things to reveal more of himself. And I do feel like looking back on Katrina, I can say this is a better situation than we were in before. And we wouldn't have chosen it. And just like Abraham maybe wouldn't have chosen to leave his family and his homeland if God didn't say, go where I tell you to go. And God didn't reveal all the details. And he doesn't always reveal all the details. In Genesis 12, the Lord says to Abram, go from your land your relatives, and your father's house to the land that I will show you. We have a lot of colleagues and like ask me and I always feel like, they go like, you had Katrina, you had this, what, like, what is going on? And um, and I've always said, you know, God's always had us falling up. We've always fallen up. Like, you know, we, we think we're falling down. It's just like, we're in a better situation. And so even coming here to Texas from Katrina, and even now it's just like, God, you're just amazing that, you know, when we put our trust in you and it, it looks bad. Yes, there's, you know, financial situations. There's, you know, selling a house and a lot of things going on. But it's in retrospect, it's like we're in a better pasture. And, and it's OK, we're, we're in rapids right now, but we always end up in this calm water and, and we need to go through this down this river for this journey. And we're quite confident that. There's going to be calm water. We're just in the rapids now. And, and that's, you just live through the chaos and, you know, confident that you just keep paddling and try to stay afloat. But. Well, independence. I feel like, you know, I can do a lot of things in my own strength and try to. And I think God uses times like these to reorient my reliance and my dependence on him instead of trying to trust my own strength, because it doesn't ever get me very far. You know, one of the things that the coronavirus has, it's unraveled the facade of control in every household, for every man, woman, and child, every student who had grand plans for graduation, every family that had exciting vacations planned for the summer, all the way down to people who knew what their career was going to look like for the next year, five years, 10 years. Everything looks different. Even looking ahead to what the school year will look like for my own kids, everything looks completely different. And when you lose all of the things that you Find your security in. And when everything around you feels uncertain, there's only one place to turn that is safe. God knows. God sees where you are. And he cares about your circumstance. And he cares more about your heart towards him and towards others. And... Uh, And he'll take care of you. I don't know how or what that will look like for your circumstance, but it will be okay. I don't know how long it will take, 
but I know he's faithful. And this is the Western thing. We, we measure success by accomplishments or where we end up. And if you look at the Apostle Paul, he was in different circumstances, prison, tortured, shipwrecked, living in mansions, living a good life, living a bad life. And he, he never defined either God or God's love for him based on a circumstance. It was always God is sovereign and my job is just to submit to God. And, and I would tell people, don't focus on the circumstance, just submit to God. Whether you're being tortured, whether you're in prison, whether God has you in a palace. You, you have, everybody has to have the same, God, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to look to you and, and not necessarily at, at the circumstance. He knows my heart. He knows my mind. He knows what's going on. And I don't have to try to defend myself or explain my situation. He knows my situation. Um, and it's just been a huge comfort for me. My, losing my job is nothing for him. And there have been other believers that have gone through worse. And so there's no reason for me to have a pity party over, you know, over this. And so that was comforting just to know that there were those who went before us that you know, experienced a lot more. And, and this is really, really nothing you know, for, for God. Thank you for listening to Redeemed. To submit your own story for consideration, check out the link in our show notes or follow us on Instagram at Redeemed Stories. I'm going to let Beth Ortiz finish us out with a verse for the week. This passage is in 1 Peter, and it's 1 Peter 1, uh, verses 3 through 7. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. So, just reminding me that it's, it's our salvation that's what's important and God's grace and His faithfulness through Jesus. So, I don't want it to sound canned, you know what I mean, or trite, but uh, I constantly have to be reminded of that. <laughs>